I have one uh, sentence, one phrase from the scriptures this morning that I would love for you to take with you. And it's very simple. It's just this. You do not belong to this world. Okay. You do not belong to this world. See if I can get it to the people in the back. You do not belong in this world. Now, there are going to be some things that happen in this world that you're going to love, right? And you're going to feel really good about. So it's not necessarily say that. There's, there's, there's great things that happen in this world, like UT football, right, this week, <laughs> right? Or MTSU football, anybody, okay, yeah. Or, oh, wow, that's impressive. Uh, Vanderbilt, well, it doesn't work for everybody, okay? So, uh, uh, and I'm not even going to mention you, Alabama people. Y'all, it's like, y'all always win, whatever. Um, but what I mean is like, there's some things that happen that we love, right? There are good things that happen in the world that feel so good. My daughter came home from college this weekend. She didn't even tell us. She just showed up. It was so awesome. You know, it's just like, I love this. And I just hung out with her. We watched this TV show that she likes. I've watched like so many episodes this week. It's like about a fire department in Chicago. I've never seen it and she loves it and watches them over and over and over. Um, but I just love being with her. There, there are things in this world that will feel good, where we'll feel comfortable. And that is good. But this is not your home. This is not your, your, your ultimate belonging place. And, and everything, this is not all there is. Everything you see here, everything you hear is not all there is. And sometimes we can get so cozy in this world that we'll forget this teaching from Jesus where he actually says, you do not belong to this world. Here's the scripture we've been studying in John. You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And there's this thing that followers of Jesus will experience in this world. If you're really seeking to be a disciple, uh, there's a thing that you will experience from the world. Um, Jesus uses a very intense word for it. I'm going to use the same word that, that he uses. You will be hated. So let me read you the rest of the verse. You do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here. And you're thinking, hate? I'm going to be hated? I don't, I look around the room, I see a bunch of people that are mostly well-liked people, you know? And you're like, I don't think I'm going to be hated, am I? I'm really going to be hated by this world? Well, let me share with you, first we have to really understand what Jesus is talking about when he says the world, right? What, is, what does Jesus mean by that the world is going to hate us? Because the word world is used a bunch in the book of John, as you might imagine, and the word is used in different ways. So when we read in John chapter 1 that the world was created through Jesus, well, we're not talking about here the thing that, is go that we're going to feel hate from. What we're talking about there is creation, right? The trees, the, the land, everything that was created was created through Jesus, the world. That's what the word means there. The most famous use of the word world in John, in John is in John chapter 3. Some of you know it. For God so loved the 
world, right? And if God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, well, what's it talking about there? Is it talking about the trees? No, it, world there just means all the people. God so loved the world. Sometimes we use the word world and it means like all the people in the world. God so loved the world. Well, the word world in John chapter 15 is a Greek word. The word is cosmos, starts with a K. You've heard that word, cosmos. You kind of get a feeling of what it might mean already. Uh, the cosmos refers to the ordered way of something or something that, is, that has a sort of a, a purpose to it and is working together for a reason. And so when John is talking about the world in John chapter 15 that's going to come against us, he's saying, Jesus is saying, that there's actually an ordered set of things in the world that will come against those who follow Jesus. There actually is a way of the world that is ordered around lies and deceit and a sort of anti-truth that comes against us. You're like, really? The answer is yes, really. The word cosmos has an opposite in Greek, and that is the word chaos. So we know what chaos is kind of this mess. Cosmos is there's an order, there's a way to it. And sometimes as followers of Jesus, we will feel like the world actually hates us and is coming against us. Jesus describes one chapter earlier, the devil, and in it, he calls him the prince of this world. So the evil one is not royalty over the world, but he is the one who's sort of lording over and feeling like the prince of this system of lies and evil that is at work in the world. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the devil is described as the God, little g, of this world. And so all that to say is there is a way out there that will, if you have not experienced it yet, that will come against you. It's sort of like when we say, you know, we would use the word world and say, hey, the whole world, I feel like the whole world is coming against me. Well, what are you talking about? The trees? No. Are you talking about all the people in the world? No. There's just sometimes this feeling that everything's coming against us or this world is bringing me down. What are you talking about? Well, it just kind of feels like sometimes there's all this stuff at work. I don't need you to raise your hand, but I imagine there's some people in the room. You had some things happen this week where you felt like a bunch of stuff was coming against you. Was, was coming, you know, you could almost feel it as a pressure, as a, as a power. Well, guys, that's for real. And followers of Jesus in this age and in this world, you will have times where you think, this is not, this isn't all there is, is it? This is not my home. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went out for Rachel's birthday. My wife, Rachel, uh, it was a Friday night. It was her 42nd birthday. I never imagined I'd be married to a 42-year-old woman. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. I don't know what I mean by that, but I'm still kind of quizzing over it. Um, so she had this restaurant picked out that she wanted to go to in downtown Nashville, and she was all excited about it. And we uh, went with some of our oldest friends and went down there. We we're having a big old time. We had a lovely dinner. And then after dinner was over, we walk out onto the street, sort of midtown, but close to downtown. And Rachel has picked out a place that we're, gonna, we're just going to walk to to go eat dessert. Rachel plans her own birthday months in advance. And so she's found this place and they serve, uh, their specialty is they serve these sandwiches. It's a dessert place. Sandwiches, but the sandwiches is, is, is cookies. And inside of the sandwich is ice cream. It's like this big thing. You can't even, you got to put it in a in a bowl to which we would say there are some things about this world that we love, right? I was like, this is amazing, man. Nashville, they got 
restaurants that just have ice cream sandwiches with cookies. So we're walking down to it, and uh, I hadn't been in downtown Nashville in a while, or much post-pandemic. You know, we're kind of getting our, our legs back underneath us, and we're walking down. I'm a native to, this, to the Nashville area. I've always lived, you know, within 15 minutes of, of downtown Nashville. But Nashville felt different to me on a Friday night. Uh, I don't know if you've been down there. I know you have. And so there, was, um, there were these buses everywhere with no tops on them. And people are just hanging out. They're hollering at you like, hey, how's it going? We're going to get the ice cream sandwiches. You know, uh, we were having a big old time, but I'd never seen all the buses. And there was this one bus that went by and it had a, I had a hot tub in the back and people are in the hot tub. I'm like, what in the world? You know, and then... Um, Multiple. We must have been right in the zone, but they had these pedal taverns. Uh, you don't know about the pedal tavern? Right. Uh, so <laughs> it's a tavern on a bicycle, like a, mu- a bunch of bicycles. And it's hard to explain, but it's like, what are we doing? Like, who thought of that? There have been taverns for a long time, and there have been bicycles for a long time, and somebody had this genius idea to add them together on the streets of Nashville. It's like, what's next? Are we going to be riding in hot tubs down the street? Yes, yes, in our city. And I have to admit to you, I, here's what I felt like after we'd been walking for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I felt, I said, I said, I want to go home. I want to go home. And I'm being silly, right? But there was also some parts of it that made me sad. It's my town. It didn't feel like my home. It didn't feel like I had remembered it. And, and there are going to be moments in your life where you're going to be in places and you're like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like my home. And Jesus says, it's because it's not your home. Let me, let me share with you a couple of their places. It's all throughout the New Testament. This is Hebrews in the New Living Translation. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. In 1 Peter chapter 2, this is the message version. He says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Every human will have the natural inclination in wherever they live and whatever time they live to seek to be very cozy in the place that you live. That is a natural inclination. But what Jesus is saying here is that followers of Christ will have a noticeable discomfort in this world. They'll have a noticeable discomfort. Christians are supposed to actually get comfortable feeling a bit uncomfortable in this world. Kind of like, this isn't quite all that I think it should be. As, as we read on, this is in John chapter 17. I'm trying to just kind of give you a full picture of the teaching on this. Jesus says, I gave them your word. So he's praying here. This is his last prayer. It's a part of this final discourse that we've been reading. I gave them your word, God, and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore than I am of the world. And then he goes on to say, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So Jesus is saying a couple of things. One, he's saying, we are not experiencing anything different than what he experienced. For one, we are in his company in this. But the second thing is he's saying, God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to protect them. We would think, right, why didn't he just get us out of here? Jesus says he's going away. Why don't we go away? The reason is, is because there is a purpose in you being here. There is a purpose for you in this world. 
There is a purpose for you and I living in this very time and in this very place. So Jesus is saying, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, even though they're going to be hated by the world. My prayer is that you protect them from the prince of lies, from the prince of this world. What Jesus is saying is he's saying he's telling us all these things so that we'll understand kind of what we're living in. My first uh, point, and there's only two, so don't get afraid. My first point is all this, Jesus says, I've told you so that you won't fall away. That's how he wraps up this part. He's, so why is he telling us all this stuff about the world? He's telling us so we won't fall away. So that when we're discouraged, we won't fall away. That when we're so disappointed with the world, we won't fall away. Or that when we're inclined to you know, try to belong, 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 we won't. We'll, we'll stand distinct, but we won't fall away. So what are we supposed to do in this world? He tells us, you will testify. In this world, you will have a testimony. You will have a word of truth, a word to speak into an ordered set of lies and things that come against God. We will have the testimony. Listen, this is what Jesus says in John chapter 15. He says, when the advocate comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Let me, let me try to explain if I can. Um, Jesus is saying, yes, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you to you an advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God will be with you, and the Holy Spirit's job will be to testify. The Holy Spirit will be in this land telling the truth about Jesus over and over. So there's stuff God is doing in the Spirit all the time that we can't see or that we can't hear, but it's a testimony of the truth of Jesus. The Spirit is doing that all the time. But notice what else it says, and you also must testify. So while the Spirit is doing this work, we also live a life where we are testifying to the truth. What is our testimony? What is it that we say? What is it that we do? It's very clear in Jesus' last discourse in these last four chapters in the book of John. He says, our testimony is love. Our testimony is to love. I went back and counted just this morning. I was sitting outside uh, before the service. And in these four chapters where Jesus' last discourse, Jesus says that we're supposed to love 23 times. 23 times. It's very clear. He's saying, he said, a new command I give you, love as I have loved you. Love others as the Father has loved me. Love, love. That is what we are supposed to do in this world, in the places that we are in. And so sort of the other side to that, guys, is this. If our lives don't look any different from those who do not know God, if our words do not speak a better word, a different testimony from those who are, are not seeking after Christ, if my social media, your social media does not look any, any way distinct from the world, then we have to check ourselves. Right? Sometimes coming to church is like, we got to check ourselves. We got to say, what am I really doing? What am I really up to? What does my relationship with God really look like? Because Jesus is saying, I've chosen you out of the world to be distinct. And we're not supposed to, you know, be yelling in bullhorns or run anybody over with all this, but we are to be loving in such a way that it gives a true testimony of who Jesus is. So a few statements. I know this isn't super fun, but y'all are great. Um, if what Jesus says is true, the world will hate me. Not all of creation, not all the people in the world, but there is a way of the world that is going to come against you. It's going to say, this is, not, this is not okay. If what Jesus says is true, 
you, I, you and I will be persecuted. Now, not like some other places in the world, so I don't want to, you know, like uh, aggrandize who we are. There are people who are giving their very lives today for the gospel of Jesus. But I can tell you, in this land, in this age, you will have things come against you and you will feel persecution. And I am not a prophet, uh, and so I, I'm not trying to, like, look into the future, but my sense is that we will experience more and more of this in the days to come. That's my sense as I look at the world, that as we stand distinct as followers of Jesus, that there will be less and less um, comfort for us. So we have to know what we're getting ourselves into, right? And when, if what Jesus says is true, regardless of the suffering, I must testify. So that's, you know, that's where we find our footing, guys, as followers of Jesus. We say, yeah, I'm going to be hated. Yes, there will be persecuted. I'm going to suffer, but I will testify. I will say that I believe that what Jesus says is true no matter what. But that's going to give us a feeling at times that this is not our home. And that's why we have to hear this reminder. In 2011, some of my dearest friends, Dan and Shannon, Dan is our executive pastor here at the church, um, they lost their infant son. His name was Jesse. He died. And it was the, the first child infant that had died as a part of Providence Church. And they invited me to come to the hospital. And I got to see uh, Jesse, and he's beautiful. And our hearts broke into a million pieces in Summit Hospital. That same day, though, uh, we were supposed to be having a meeting to negotiate the price for this, the land that the church is on. And so uh, instead of having a meeting, we had a conference call. And so I was going from Dan and Shannon in the hospital out to my car on the phone. I'm a 30-year-old pastor. I have no business or <laughs> uh, understanding of how to negotiate land. But I wasn't the only one on the call. Wayne was on the call with me. He's here. He was, our, uh, he was our, in charge of that. And I remember Wayne telling me before the call, he knew where I was. He said, Jacob, you don't have to say a word. And I remember being on that call thinking, I got to be the pastor of this church and figure this out. And I didn't say a word because I was totally numb and my heart was shattered. And Wayne was able to beautifully get us through that situation. We have 23 acres here and it's a wonderful thing. But what I remember um, hanging up the, that conference call was thinking, this does not feel like my home anymore. You know, it was a shifting for me as a pastor, as a person in that loss. And then Dan and Shannon uh, and I had to get busy planning the funeral for their son, also the first funeral I'd planned for a kid. And I, I didn't really know what to say. I didn't have a full understanding of all that. And that's sort of what I said in the funeral. But God led me. I, I still believed in the, in the pain that God's word is truth. And so I went to God's word and God gave a scripture to me that has changed um, my life. And it's something that many of y'all heard me say, and I preach it at, at funerals, but I'd never really read it in that way because I'd never really experienced that kind of brokenness. And so I want to share it with you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It is, to me, the teaching on this principle. And it says this, for we know that if the earthly tent, that's talking about our bodies, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. Listen to the language, an eternal house in heaven, our eternal home in heaven, not built by human hands. But meanwhile, like, what do we do while we're here? Meanwhile, we groan, longing 
to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. That's the feeling, guys, that you feel when you're like, what is this? I'm groaning, I'm longing. Well, you're longing for the heavenly dwelling. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but we want to be clothed with our heavenly home, our heavenly body, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And then he begins to paint the picture of the purpose that we have in this world. He says, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose. What's the purpose? The purpose we are here for is that God is preparing us for something else, a different home, a different building, a different tent. And he has given us the spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a deposit that we're holding in our hands. We're holding the spirit, it's the deposit, and it's guaranteeing what is to come. And so we experience the spirit, and it's not just a feel good, right? I feel so good when I come to church. I love church. I love the worship time. I love feeling the experience of the spirit. But it's not a feel good session. It's a deposit when you experience the spirit. That's God saying to you, there's more. Don't you feel it? Are you groaning? Are you longing? It's the deposit and it's guaranteeing what is to come. What that means is human beings would not feel that had not God put that in them. It's a deposit, it's not natural, it's supernatural. And so when we engage in these kind of conversations, when we face death in this life, when we feel our very bodies giving out, we have confidence because we're the people of God with the deposit. It's the next thing he says. He says, therefore, we're always confident. Oh my goodness. We're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. So how are you gonna live like that? How do you live with a situation like that? We live by faith, not by sight. On this land, in this age, in this world, don't live by everything you can see. Don't live by everything that you hear. Don't live by everything that you read. Live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, Paul says. He said, Paul's great. He's like, I'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Amen? So we make it our goal to please him. That's our goal, guys. What's the goal of my life? My goal is to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. And so we testify over and over and over again to what we know is true. We're confident of it. And so yesterday at Paul's funeral that I preached in this room, and on Thursday at Jeff's funeral, next Monday at Deborah's funeral, we've lost saints this week, guys. We will be confident even as we grieve. Just like I did at Jesse's funeral. And I said, this is not our home, I know you feel it. And what you feel is not just a feeling of brokenness, it's actually the Holy Spirit of God as a deposit that he's given us. He has not left us alone. Jesus has not gone away to leave us, but he's given us an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who testifies on our behalf to the truth. And guys, the world needs to know the truth. And the way they're gonna know that is by us testifying to the majestic, glorious, magnificent, true love of Jesus. We carry it. We carry it down the streets of Nashville. We carry it in our homes. 
We carry it as we go out and serve today. We are the ones who testify to Jesus. What a glorious hope we have in him. Amen.